This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the Legislature Today. I'm Randy Yoey. Bob Brunner is away this week. Over the weekend, the House and Senate both met in regular floor sessions. The Senate passed four key bills, including a tax cut proposal, a bill on employee pay raises for certain employees, a bill to shore up PEIA, and a budget bill. Those have all headed to the House. Now, the Senate and Governor Jim Justice now agree over the estimated $750 million Senate plan that includes an initial personal income tax cut of around 20%, a personal property tax credit for vehicles, and a 50% personal property tax break on equipment and inventory all aimed at small businesses. House Majority Whip and Finance Committee member Marty Gearhart, a Republican from Mercer County, says there needs to be a close House examination of that Senate tax proposal before any final decisions are made. Well, there have been a lot of negotiations and a lot of conversation, and, and a bill is coming to us. Uh, there are, are, is a lot of detail in that bill. And we want to be certain to go through it to make sure it is correct and something that we can work with. Uh, the House members overall are interested in cutting taxes for West Virginians. This is a vessel to do that. And we're going to examine it closely, make sure it's right and proper, and deal with it at that point. Um, so it's not a rubber stamp? No, there's never a rubber stamp, either for the Senate or the House. Uh, the Senate has taken a look at it and has sent us a document. It's a legitimate document and we want to take a look at it and make sure that, uh, that it's what, the way we want it done. The House passed a bill today that would create a military funeral honor guard in remembrance of Medal Honor recipient Woody Williams. The bill creates a special detail of the West Virginia National Guard to perform ceremonies at the funeral of eligible veterans. These ceremonies would include the folding and presenting of the American flag to the next of kin and the playing of taps. The bill passed 97 to 0 with three members absent. It's now on its way to the Senate. The Senate passed 20 bills today on a variety of issues ranging from alcohol consumption to high school sports. Chris Schultz has more. And it's adding the Senate Judiciary Chair Senator Charles uh, Trump, a Republican from Morgan County, said on the floor that Senate Bill 534 was intended as technical cleanup for a bill the Senate passed last year relating to beer, cider, wine, and liquor license requirements. After changes in committee and the addition of three floor amendments, the bill would expand how and where alcoholic beverages can be sold and enjoyed responsibly. It authorizes municipalities uh, to establish private outdoor designated areas that are zoned for alcohol consumption uh, in that area uh, for alcohol drinks sold for uh, by qual qualified permit holders 
who are Class A licensees. Um, the bill allows a product I've not heard of before, but I'm eager to learn about beer slushies. <laughs> Maybe members of this body who are familiar with the product, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the bill will permit that. It would be currently unpermitted under, under our present law. Trump stated that the changes would serve to promote tourism in the state. The bill had its detractors, but ultimately passed on a vote of 25 to 8. Senate Bill 667 would require periodic performance audits by the legislative auditor of the West Virginia Secondary Schools Athletic Commission, the main governing body of high school sports, cheerleading, and marching bands in the state. There was a brief debate over the legality of such a bill. Senator Mike Wolfel, a Democrat from Cabell County, stood to oppose the bill. He raised concerns that the proposed oversight would not stand up to legal scrutiny. The Supreme Court of Appeals held that the WVSSAC uh, is not a state agency. In fact, they went on to say it's not even a, what's called in the law a public body. So respectfully, I don't believe this bill will, um, I believe it's an unconstitutional uh, attempt by us to have an audit of an autonomous group. Senator Ryan Weld, a Republican from Brook County and one of the bill's co-sponsors, spoke in its favor. What I think what we're trying to get here with this piece of legislation, Mr. President, is a look under the hood of the agency that is responsible for all of the, the activities in this state that our kids who attend high school partake in any sports, whether they're in the band, an organization that has millions in assets. Senate Bill 737 was the second bill introduced Monday to deal with compensation for emergency medical service workers. Senate Finance Chair Senator Eric Tarr, a Republican from Putnam County, said the bill would create a special revenue account, the Emergency Medical Services Salary Enhancement Fund, to supplement the salaries of EMS workers across the state. The rules are to provide a mechanism for distribution of the funds to the county with the parameters of distribution to counties demonstrating the most need, counties who have a special levy, counties who have reached the maximum rate on their regular levy, and counties that suffer from competition from border states. According to a state coalition of emergency medical service workers that presented earlier in the legislative session, the state has lost 1,900 EMTs over the past three years. All three bills, along with 13 others, now go to the House of Delegates for its consideration. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz. Representing nearly a quarter million West Virginia senior citizens, AARP maintains a strong lobbying force at the state capitol. On their day, at least two bills topped the list to help the elderly and often the rest of us as well. AARP leaders say too many seniors and others continue to get scammed by phone, email, social media, snail mail, many losing thousands of dollars. Jane Marks, the AARP West Virginia State Volunteer President, says Senate Bill 576 continues to move through the legislature. It creates a Securities Restitution Assistance Fund for victims of fraud and securities violations. It should be on third reading in the Senate today. It would offer some restitution for folks who have, have experienced fraud with their securities investments, their 401k, these sorts of things. So we're presuming it's going to pass uh, beautifully and then move on to the House. 
There is also the AARP push for Senate Bill 577, meant to financially aid the thousands of West Virginians who suffer from diabetes. I would cap insulin copays at $35 instead of $100 for private insurance holders, and that is a major item on the AARP agenda. Randy, some people are having to ration their insulin because they can't afford to take it as it's prescribed, and we know that this causes them to become more ill, cre creates other conditions. Some have to go in the hospital, which obviously is more cost, um, and this is going to allow folks to maybe not have to make that serious choice. Do I buy my food this month? Can I afford my insulin this month? These seniors spend many more days than just AARP day at the legislature campaigning for those in later years of life who want to safeguard and treasure their longevity. The House of Delegates debated House Bill 3042 on Monday, which would forbid excessive government limitations on the exercise of religion. The bill is called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and is similar to a bill that failed in 2016. Supporters argue the state needs this law so residents can challenge government regulations that interfere with their religious beliefs. And those in opposition say the proposal could be used to discriminate against LGBTQ people and other marginalized groups. Delegates debated the bill Monday for more than an hour. Here's some of that debate. This is about whether or not somebody, you think somebody should be able to be kicked out of their apartment because they're gay. Somebody should be fired from their job because they're gay. Somebody can be refused service in somebody's store simply because they're gay. If you believe that, go ahead and vote for it. I don't think you do. I think you're better than that. Vote against this. Vote against this garbage. Teachers throughout this nation and throughout this state and some municipalities are being forced to push the left's agenda, the government's agenda, within the war on traditional families with such things as promoting transgenderism, homosexuality, in our classrooms, in our grade school classrooms. And these, these policies are sold to the American public and to uh, the labor unions, the teachers unions as being open, which that may be the intention, but what is happening is these teachers and administrators' rights are being violated, the religious beliefs are being infringed upon. And let's say somebody, an unmarried woman, comes in for birth control. Can a pharmacist refuse to fulfill that prescription? What if a gay man comes in for an HIV pill? Can they refuse to fulfill that prescription? I think that's what this is about. It's about whether a doctor can refuse medical care. In this bill, we are not determining something to be legal, and we're not determining something to be illegal. Rather, we're creating a judicial test. We're giving statutory instructions to the judiciary that when a RIFRA case, when a case where someone would allege that a law that we pass in this body or a a local municipal ordinance or county ordinance is in violation of their religious conviction that the judiciary is to use this two-point, this two-question test. Number one, is there a compelling state interest? And number two, is the state acting in the least restrictive means possible? House Bill 3042 passed 86 to 12 and now goes to the Senate for consideration. 
The laws surrounding how hospitals determine what services they provide in rural counties will change if Senate Bill 613 becomes a law. It passed the Senate today with changes to temper some of the concerns who oppose the bill. Emily Rice has more. The bill aims to amend the state code relating to a certificate of need. Two sections relate to birthing centers, which are healthcare facilities staffed by nurse midwives and or obstetricians for mothers in labor who may be assisted by doulas and coaches. Senator Mike Maroney, a Republican from Marshall County, explained the bill and its amendments to the Senate floor on Monday. The bill modifies the expenditure minimum and the certificate of need for $5 million to $100 million. The bill redefines hospital services and adds a definition of inpatient services. It removes, it removes constructing, developing, acquiring, or establishing a birthing center as a reviewable service. The, the bill allows the exemption for constructing, developing, acquiring, establishing a birthing center, and for hospital services on a hospital campus. Senator Patricia Rucker, a Republican from Jefferson County, spoke in support of Senate Bill 613. I just want to briefly rise in support of this bill, and I want to thank the chair of uh, the Health Committee for his work. This is something that is very important to the Eastern Panhandle and something we've been working on for many years. Is this perfect? No. Is there more we could do regarding CON? Absolutely. But this is a, a great first step, and I consider it a really important bill. So thank you, and I urge support. Senate Bill 613 was laid over on third reading with a right to amend during the legislature's special Saturday session. Today, it passed the Senate to the House with all present voting in the affirmative. Reporting for the Legislature Today, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. With West Virginia tourism growing as a Four Seasons nationwide destination, there's an abundance of legislation right now to enhance hiking and biking with rail trails and rest stops along the way. Caroline McGregor has more on this particular outdoor recreation push with House Minority Leader Doug Scaff, a Democrat from Kanawha County, who sits on the House Committee of Economic Development and Tourism, and Senator Mark Maynard, a Republican from Wayne County, who is chair of the Senate Committee on Outdoor Recreation. Thank you, Randy. A couple of bills that recently passed the House would create uh, more opportunities for volunteers around existing state-owned land. And um, one of those is Senate Bill 4, and there's also Senate Bill 143. Um, these create, in respectively, Adopt-a-Trail and Adopt-a-Stream. Um, tell me a little bit about these bills, if you would. You know, we can take it in turns, but first of all, how do you adopt a trail? Well, you go through the DNR. Uh, they have a, they're going to enact a process that is handled uh, from the main office, whereas right now you can ad adopt a trail and volunteer at the individual uh, parks, but this is like a program that's ran out of the main office and it codifies it and uh, hopefully will increase uh, participation. Okay, um, and also, you know, we're talking about more than just cleaning up here. So, you know, it's more than just picking up litter and a point of interest that caught my eyes was, you know, that, that this would actively involve or encourage activities um, and programs along the trails. Could you, you know, expound upon those, please? A, a dream of mine is for user groups to get involved, different clubs, you know, that have membership and adopt these trails as a whole. Uh, and that would potentially have signage or something that whatever uh, club has adopted, be it equestrian or OHV or whoever has decided to uh, 
to adopt it. Yeah, I think just like, you know, in the past, adopt a road, adopt a stream. I think it's an opportunity, like the senator said, is to come together as a group and take ownership. We have just such world famous and successful trails across West Virginia. And how neat is it for groups to come together to adopt an area, state claim to it, and then take pride in it. And it also helps advertise the trails, you know, with those groups. And maybe people who, who help keep them, keep them safe and clean also come back and get to participate in them. Mm -hmm. And it helps the communities themselves, you know, involve those along the way, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, how, well, a bit more about how communities could be involved and also, you know, from leading from that into how it will benefit tourism in general. Well, tour tourism, uh, I can't say enough about our, uh, about Chelsea Ruby, who's just done a phenomenal job when it comes to tourism, and especially, especially in southern West Virginia. You know, these trails are, these are world-famous trails now, and now we're trying to, to emulate them across the rest of the state and continue to put uh, groups and organizations and, and function together so we can just make West Virginia covered with, I think we have over 100,000 miles of trails right now. I think it's one of those things where you can be proud about West Virginia and say, we've got these trails, and no other states do. So people come to us, it used to be, you know, white rafting, whitewater rafting and skiing and everything else. Trails is right up there as the top three things that people mention when you say West Virginia. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, Senator Maynard, e-bikes. Let's talk about e-bikes for a moment. You know, some legislation, I believe, passed the Senate today um, that esta basically establishes rules and regulations for e-bikes in West Virginia. Um, tell me why this change was necessary and how this will impact you know public lands if you a few years back i found out that e-bikes were not legal on any public land where a normal bicycle was used so i went to the dnr uh, trying to get all classes uh, legalized and they were a little uh, concerned and they would just allow class ones and i believe that was about 2019 that that passed through and um, so the DNRs had time to evaluate it. Now they're uh, renting their own e-bikes at some of their properties, and they were okay with class twos being defined and class threes being allowed. So now all classes are welcome. I had done some research after class one passed and realized that people, West Virginia didn't have a very good view on people because of not defining class twos, not allowing class threes. So now the word should be out there that all are welcome on uh, e-bikes in West Virginia. I see. And, and I hear that you know, the state park folks themselves are quite happy about this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah they full approval of the DNR. All right. There is some concern, though, from people, you know, equestrian uh, people, horse riders, about the bikes and perhaps hunters and others um, that, you know, about these bikes infringing upon their territory, so to speak. What would you say to those people? This bill specifically does not allow an e-bike anywhere that a regular bike isn't allowed. And I don't own an e-bike, but I've ridden them. Have you ever ridden one? I have not. Okay, but uh, it's an amazing thing. It's basically just <laughs> riding a bicycle with a little extra power when you need it. Okay. House Bill 3147, this expands the Mountaineer Trail Network. Um, tell me what this does. Oh, you want to? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, it actually expands it to a different section of what the original legislation that the Mountaineer Trail Network did. It's non-motorized and it's bicycle, uh, hiking, equestrian, um, all non-motorized type. And it's got a similar um, uh, situation, kind of like Hatfield-McCoy with some liability protections built in, but uh, Hatfield-McCoy is, is motorized and this is kind of like a non-motorized version of Hatfield-McCoy. Okay. 
And um, I mean, obviously, this will establish some good stops along the way. Um, again, this comes back to economic development. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I think anything we can do to promote you know, tourism and get more people, the most amount of people utilizing our trails as possible. And we have to recognize that people enjoy them in different ways. You know, what they some, some have uh, ATVs, some have the bikes, some have the e-bikes. Someone just want to, just want to run and walk. So our trails, when you, it's such a, it's such a large uh, term now. Trails, it can encompass so many different types of trails and different type of, of participation, participation from all different walks of life. So I think the bottom line here is, is we want to be open to all forms of outdoor, outdoor adventures. And you know, the trail is just one example of how you can enjoy a trail in multiple different ways. And we have the waterway trails, which yeah, is something you wouldn't think about it being yeah. a trail, but, uh, you know, with yeah, kayaking exactly. and stuff. And I think it would be so cool, like, you know, I think the goal would be if we somehow these all connected at some point mm -hmm. in different trails and you come and you can park your, you know, park your car or stay somewhere and you go from county to county and trail to trail. And I think that's what we're doing. You see the collaboration between the different mm -hmm. groups, whether it's the Ohio Valley region or the Mountaineer region or the Southfield McCoy region. They're all coming and working together now. And it's almost like, hey, don't just come and see see the Hatfield McCoy trail. Also, while you're here, while you're driving through, right. stop up here at this trail or that trail. It's really a cool destination for people that spend uh, multiple days in West Virginia. We could do some kind of Iron Man kind Iron of Man where you tour, connect yeah. all the forms. I think it'd be, it'd be fantastic. Have those in, yes, other states. So regarding the states, you know, popular, well-established trails, um, mm -hmm. there's a developing network of trails that extends all points from Morgantown, I believe. Um, is there any talk of any more enhancement there, and um, where do we stand with that? Well, I know there's some collaboration with like the Ohio Valley. I can't think of the proper name, but Ohio Valley system up there with the Morgantown system, the Mountaineer Network. How can they communicate? How can they collaborate? How can they come together and maybe share resources, ideas, not reinvent the wheel, but promote it collectively? You know, as a state, and that's when the Department of, you know, of Tourism comes in, and they now they're just not promoting one trail over the other. They're promoting them all. So when people come here, they want to come back multiple times throughout the year. You won't just come to West Virginia once. You'll come back numerous times, and you'll want to check them off your bucket list and do multiple uh, activities once you're here. And, and I have heard of multi-state trail systems that are, yeah. that are being looked at, you know, to kind of like confirm them and make them a little bit more user-friendly. So. Okay. Um, let's talk about, you know, just speaking of trails, uh, North Bend Rail Trail, Greenbrier, anything going on there of note that our listeners would like to hear about? You know, it's uh, that piece of legislation that kind of limits the liabilities for railroad companies to allow uh, different communities to have access to their rails, trails. And uh, that's currently in a piece of legislation that Senator Trump was lead sponsor on, um, SB or I believe, I can't remember the bill, but yes. it was um, but it limited liability. And I've actually talked to railroad companies before and they were kind of uh, concerned about letting communities use their uh, rail trails or their, their railroad beds for public use because of the liability issue. Yeah. And this bill uh, limits their liability and now I think we can get some uh, railroad beds freed up for the communities to use. Well, I think you got to think about it. These, these are, uh, this is prime real estate, you know, just used for a different way. And you take away that liability, well, why not develop them? Why not develop these rails that are going through different people's property? And I think once you get rid of the liability aspect, why wouldn't you want to, to, to make it more usable and user-friendly? And I think, I, th I believe it might have been Senate Bill 160, but I think what- the, I think it was. Yeah, yeah Senate Bill 160. Yes, it was called the, the West Virginia Rails Trails Program. Uh -huh. I think this is a phenomenal opportunity to, to re reinvent, you know, tra reinvent the railroad trails that aren't being used today. 
Okay, tell me a little bit more, Senator Maynard, about this bill. You said that this, this basically limits the liability, mm -hmm. is that correct, yes. on, on the railroad companies? Uh -huh. Yes. And, um, and you talked a little bit about, um, you know, when we were talking before this interview, mm -hmm. you mentioned um, something about removing parts of the railroad and... Um, well, you know, there's rails with trails, or, or trails with rails, <laughs> uh, and that actually they're using and leaving the rails in place, and this actually addresses that as well, rails with trail, or trails with rails, and also regular rail trails, which is without the actual rails there, and uh, many, there's, it got de defined as inactive, yeah. uh, not abandoned really, so it allows these railroad companies to allow access to these without the worries of uh, litigation. I see. Yeah, and we in the House we talked about, you know, is, it, is there eminent domain or not, for example, what's that, what's that mean? Because right now the, the railroad system already has that eminent domain where they can just go through and do that. So why, why can't we just continue that? Because I would hate to see, you know, 40 miles developed and then let somebody in the middle of five mile stretch would not want it developed. Right. But you would think as long as they're beautifying their property, we just want to make sure that that trail is complete and there's no gaps in it. Okay. Yeah. Quickly back to, you know, I'd wanted to ask you about pending legislation, but quickly back to the volunteer programs themselves, Adopt a Trail, Adopt mm -hmm. a Stream. Um, what are, there are some age limits or, or, or there's, there's some guidance regarding age and things. Could you just tell us a little bit about that quickly? That was the Adopt a Stream. And very quickly. <laughs> that was the Adopt a Stream, and it was just a cleanup uh, bill that that changed the age allowance, but that was from a, a initial legislation legislation that to allow stream cleanup. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me today, uh, Delegate Scaff and Senator Maynard. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks back. for having us. Thank yeah. you. Back to you, Randy. Thanks so much for that, Caroline. Tune into the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. We'll have more news and interviews from the 2023 legislative session. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily on our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on YouTube as well. I'm Randy Yoey. Thanks for joining us. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.